You are listening to a podcast by Spring Hill Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Spring Hill Church is called to reach everyday people with God's grace, His unconditional love, and the life-changing power of His Word. Thanks for listening, and if you would like more information, you can visit us online at springhill.cc. Okay, everybody. Well, let's pray, and we'll get into the Word tonight. I'm ready for this. Uh, I'm just ready for the Word. How about y'all? Amen. Yes. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much again for this opportunity we have to gather together in your name. Lord, I thank you for uh, just the fact that, that there is no time nor distance in the realm of the Spirit, and that, Father, even though we might all be in physically different places, I thank you that we are gathered in the name of Jesus, and you promised us that when we would do that, you would be right here in our midst. So we thank you, Lord for your anointing to be present where each and every one of us are. Thank you for the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He is our teacher, and so we give him permission to teach us, to bring revelation and insight to us. Father, I thank you for the Word of God and the fact that it brings life and health and healing. And Lord, I thank you that as we feed upon it, we'll be changed more and more into your image and into your glory. And Father, we'll be mindful to not be hearers only, but to be doers of what we hear as well. And we give you praise for it and believe that we receive. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, turn in your Bibles with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we're going to uh, continue our uh, study on the gifts of the Spirit. And then we're going to, if we get through with that tonight, then we'll move into... Uh, the leading and guidance of the Holy Spirit, which, by the way, the, works hand in hand with what we're talking about. But 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 1, let's look at our foundation scripture for the series. And uh, it is, uh, again, found in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 1. I'm going to read it from the New King James, and then I'm going to read it from the Bible in basic English. The New King James says this, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. And as we've said every week, the word gifts there was added at the privilege of the translators. So that means it's not included in the original text. And the way that you can tell that is it's in italics. So what Paul really was saying is now concerning spiritual things or uh, spiritual uh, items, whatever, however you want to articulate that, I do not want you to be ignorant. The, the Bible in basic English says this, but about the things of the Spirit, my brothers, it is not right that you for you to be without teaching. And so, I, you know, the Holy Spirit has led uh, me and laid it upon my heart to at least once a year spend time talking about uh, these things, the gifts of the Spirit and things of and pertaining to the Holy Spirit, because we need to, we need to be connected with Him. We need to be flowing with Him in our lives and in our ministry and so forth. So let's drop down to verse 4 where he begins, where Paul begins to talk about the gifts of the Spirit. So in verse 4, it says, Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And so I, I just, you know, point of comment, um, this is all done by the same Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not twins. There's not more than one. This is, uh, this. is These are all works that he performs and so these are the uh, differences of ministries, but the same Lord, verse 6, but there are diversities of activities, the old King James says operations, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Now the word manifestation is used there in, in verse 7, uh, so you can use that word and gifts interchangeably. Uh, gifts being supernatural abilities, manifestations being uh, exactly what it says. Verse 8, For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge, <coughs> excuse me, through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, or special faith, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, 
to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different or diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. Verse 11, but one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. And so we've been saying that the gifts or manifestations of the spirit can be broken up into three different categories. The first category are the gifts that say something, or I've heard them referred to as utterance gifts or inspiration gifts. And those are the gift of prophecy, diverse kinds of tongues, and interpretation of tongues. The second grouping are three gifts that reveal something or bring revelation. And those are the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits. And then three gifts that do something. I've also heard them referred to as the power gifts. And that is the gift of faith or special faith, the working of miracles, and the gifts of healings. And so again, we, we, we went through each and every one of these. Uh, I won't spend uh, you know time really reviewing these because I want to, to cover some more material tonight. So if you missed any part of this, you can download the notes where it has the definitions of each one of these gifts. Um, and I want to pick up, we uh, had moved on to the power gifts last, last Wednesday night, but I want to pick up and, and talk about the gift of discerning of spirits uh, again, just to make sure that we are clear in what that is talking about. And uh, it is supernatural insight into the spirit realm supernatural insight into the spirit realm. Now this could be by a vision, it could be uh, just a knowing in your spirit, but it's all as the, the Holy Spirit brings revelation. The word discern in the dictionary means to perceive by seeing or hearing. So what this actually could be is seeing or hearing into the realm of the spirit or the realm where God lives. And by the way, we should never, ever be afraid of those things. Um, as you'll see, as we, if we get to it tonight, you are a spirit being first. So really, um, we ought to be more familiar with things pertaining to the spirit than we are things pertaining to the natural because we are spirit beings. We're born again, uh, spirits born again by the power of God and through what Jesus did for us. And so we ought to be very, very familiar, very proficient and very skilled at spiritual things. And many times uh, in the, the, the church, the, the church universal, uh, that often is lacking. And so we need to be familiar with those things. And so again, um, I, and the point that I wanted to make in going back and touching on this is this, you don't necessarily have to be functioning in this gift of the Spirit to know that something is not right. Uh, the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit. We can know in our own spirit when something is not right. We might not have specifics uh, as far as what is going on, but you can, you know, you can walk into an environment and something doesn't feel right down here in your spirit about that environment. You can meet someone and have a, a just a check in your spirit about what's going on, or you could have a peace about what's going on. You know, I've um, been in situations and times of prayer and worship when I knew that the, the Spirit of God was manifested in such a powerful way in that environment but I didn't need to have the, the Holy Spirit bring a revelation to me of that. I just sensed it in my spirit. And so we can become very sensitive to those things so that we're able to determine uh, a lot just by uh, how we are sensing things in our spirit. We need to make sure that we maintain spiritual sensitivity. Now, in the, in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, anytime somebody either uh, had an angelic visitation, you know, angels are spirit beings. Angels are not flesh and blood material uh, beings. They are spirit beings, but people saw them back then, and people, you know, occasionally will see them now. And if, if, if 
you do have that kind of experience, what that is, is that is a part of the discerning of spirits. You're seeing over into the realm of the spirit. Okay. Now, I want you to clearly understand also that these things happen as the spirit of God wills, not as we will. So do not go and spend time praying, asking God to see an angel or to have some type of spiritual manifestation like that because what you need to understand is, is your, your enemy, the devil, will do his best to try and accommodate you. you know, the scripture says that he can appear even as an angel of light. And so if you go seeking after those things apart from the will of God, then the devil will endeavor to accommodate you so that he can bring some type of deception into your life. So you don't want to pursue after these things. Always remember these things happen as the Spirit of God moves and as He wills. Now, we stay open, but we don't pursue after those things. All right, so then we moved on last week to start talking about the power gifts or the gifts that do something. The first one that we talked about was the gift of faith. Uh, the Amplified Bible calls it the gift of wonder-working faith. I like that. Um, you could call it special faith. This is different from the faith that we receive just in giving our hearts to Christ. And, you know, the scripture tells us in Romans chapter 12 that when we are born again, God deposits a measure of his faith down into our spirits. And so we have the God kind of faith on the inside of us. But this is not the same thing as that. that this is different. The definition of this is a supernatural manifestation of the Holy Spirit, whereby a believer is empowered with special faith or wonder-working faith, and it is beyond simple saving faith. And so the, the biggest way to, or the easiest way to remember this is that it is a supernatural ability or gift so that you can receive a miracle. Now, sometimes there are things that the Lord endeavors to do or desires to do in our lives that go beyond what our natural, or not natural faith, but what our born-again believer faith is, uh, is capable of handling. You know, and we looked at some examples from the Old Testament. You know, Daniel in the lion's den, or Daniel, uh, or excuse me, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego being thrown in the fiery furnace, or some of the things that uh, you know, that we see where people were uh, experiencing and God supernaturally moved on them. You know, one of the greatest examples I know of is found in Joshua chapter 10, where Joshua spoke and told the sun to stand still, the moon to stay in the valley of Ajalon, and, and, and what happened? Well, time stopped. And, um, you know, all this happened, but you don't have... <laughs> enough faith as just a believer to believe God for something like that to happen. You're going to have to have some supernatural help uh, in order to go beyond what your faith is capable of handling. And so uh, I like what Smith Wigglesworth said. We, we mentioned this last week, and, and that is this. If you will take a step of ordinary faith, when you come to the end of that faith, very often this supernatural gift of special faith will take over. One reason more folks, he says, don't see the manifestation of special faith operating in their lives is that they don't first use the faith that they already have. Okay? So, you know, that, and that's key. I believe that if, if uh, we're going to see this gift in operation in our lives, then we have to be willing to step out in faith on what the on the, in the faith that we have and then if it's God's will it'll go further in that situation okay now again note that that particular gift is a supernatural ability to receive a miracle the working of miracles or the gift of the working of miracles is number 2 under this category and that is and I'm, this is kind of wordy, but but uh, I'll shorten it in just a minute. But it's a it's a supernatural intervention by God 
in the ordinary course of nature. That's what a miracle is anyway. A supernatural intervention by God in the ordinary course of nature. Okay? So it's a, it's a temporary suspension of the normal order, and all this is operated by the power of the Holy Spirit. So let me say that again. This is a supernatural intervention by God in the ordinary course of nature. A temporary suspension of the normal order, and this is operated by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, the gift of special faith receives the miracle. Well, just by virtue of the name of this particular gift, this gift is a supernatural ability to work a miracle. Now, I'll say this. Um, we all know common sense will tell you we don't possess the power to work miracles. Of course, it is all by and through the power of God and the Holy Spirit interchangeably. But you will see references, and we're going to look at a couple of them in just a moment, references in the scriptures where it says people worked miracles. Now, what was that? That was this gift in operation. Okay, I, I like the, the Greek word for the word miracles in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 10 is defined this way, and I like this. Acts of powers, explosions of almightiness, I like that, staggering wonders or astonishments. Let me say that again. Acts of powers, explosions of of almightiness, staggering wonders, or astonishments. That's what that's what the Greek is for the word miracle in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 10. Now, go with me, if you will, to John chapter 2, please. And I want us to look at an example of the working of miracles and operation in Jesus' ministry. Now, you'll see this, uh, this particular gift and operation in Jesus' ministry quite a lot. Uh, you know, actually, you'll see in some form or another uh, all of the gifts of the Spirit functioning in Jesus' ministry. And uh, somebody says, well, I'm believing God that I'll have all nine gifts functioning in my ministry. Well, I'll tell you this. No, you won't, okay? Because Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit without measure. You all, we all, are anointed by the Holy Spirit with a measure. And so, therefore, that's why we need one another, okay? Uh, because I have certain giftings. You know, that's what 1 Corinthians 12 says, that, that he gives to one that gift, he gives to another this gift. And you might have more than one functioning at one time, but there is never going to be a person, one human being, since Jesus, that has all nine gifts of the Spirit functioning in their life and ministry. Okay? Amen. And it's just that God set it up that way. And if you don't understand why, you can ask him one day. Okay? <laughs> Not trying to be a smart aleck, but, but the fact of the matter is, I, personally, I believe he did it so we would need each other. Uh, because, you know, there is something that the Holy Spirit might use you to do that he won't use me to do, okay? So we need each other, and it's each one uh, doing their part. So in John chapter 2, verse 5, you're probably familiar with this. Uh, actually, let's, let's look at verse 1. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now, both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Then Jesus said to her, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Okay, well, I love the fact that Jesus, basically what he was saying is this, it's not yet time for me to step into the fullness of this 
But his, that went in one ear and right out the other in his mother. She just totally ignored what he said. And so his mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. And then she just turns and walks away. Okay. So now verse six, there were set there six water pots of stone, according to the manner of purification of the Jews containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. So we're looking at a total of 180 gallons in all six of those pots. So Jesus said to them in verse seven, fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. And when the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, every man at the beginning sets out the good wine. And when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior, you have kept the good wine until now. And this beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. Now, this, there's a whole lot that went on here, but the biggest thing that you need to understand is that Jesus functioned in the working of miracles in this particular miracle. Because think about it with me. You remember the definition, a supernatural intervention by God in the ordinary course of nature, a temporary suspension of the normal order. So what happened here? Jesus commands the servants to go and fill those water pots with water. Now, is it normal for water to automatically turn into wine? Well, of course, the answer no. is no, that it is not naturally uh, possible for that to happen. So what Jesus did is he moved in the working of miracles and supernaturally turned that water into wine. Now, he did that um, for, for a couple of reasons. Number one, this was the first miracle that he did with his disciples. Now, one of the things that you need to understand about this story, and this is something that I learned a while back, and I really love this. You know, Jesus could have just pointed at the water pots that were sitting there on the ground and turned the, the air into wine just as easily it, you know, if that was the plan of God for the water to be turned into wine. But yet he had people involved in this miracle by having them fill the water pots with water and then to serve them. And as they were filling or as they were serving is when the water was turned into wine. Now, here's something that you need to understand about the Lord. And this is true even today. And that is this. God's preference is to work through people in the performing of miracles, okay? It, uh, because it speaks to people in a great way. You know, think about the testimony of this in the hearts of the disciples. I mean, this is the first miracle that they saw Jesus perform. Think about the testimony of this with all the wedding guests that were there. You know, they, um, they experienced this. Think about the servants that actually went and drew the water out. You know, they didn't know what Jesus was going to do. They were just obeying. Another thing that you need to keep in mind is, and notice this, Jesus did not explain to those servants. Now, listen, guys, um, I'm going to need you to go and fill up each one of these water pots. I know that's a lot of water. You know, it's 180 gallons of water. And, uh, but here's what I'm going to do. You know, at some point, I'm not going to tell you exactly when, but at some point, I'm going to turn this water into wine, and it's going to blow y'all's minds. I mean, it's just going to be absolutely awesome, uh, you know, what's going to happen. And, you know, and he, but notice what he did. He just told them, go and fill the water pots with water. Now, here's something that you need to learn about the Lord. If he's going to use you in the miraculous very often, He's not going to give you all the details of what he's going to do. He gives you a simple act of obedience to step out in 
to see if you will obey, and if you will obey, he will complete the miracle. What would have happened if the servants had said, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard of. We got a bunch of water around here already. Well, nothing would have happened, all right? But the fact of the matter is that they obeyed, they went and filled the water pots, and the water was turned into wine. So with you and me, God desires to use us in the working of miracles, but very often it's going to be where he gives you a simple command of faith and wants you to take that simple step of faith and then he will perform the miracle. And very often, more times than not, I would say 99 or 98% of the time, you're not going to know how or what he's going to do. He just wants you to obey the simple command. All right? Now, think about, you know, we won't turn there, but think about this. Two other instances that this happened. Um, you remember Jesus fed a great number of people twice with food that wasn't nearly enough, hardly enough to feed one person. But yet Jesus supernaturally multiplied the fish and the bread so that it could feed the multitudes. Not once, but twice he did that, that we have recorded in the Gospels. Well, of course, that's a supernatural intervention into the ordinary course of nature. It's not normal that five loaves and two fish feed, you know, thousands of people. But, it, but Jesus worked that miracle so that those people would be fed and, again, Think about the disciples based on what I just told you. What was the command of faith that the disciples had? Well, Jesus just simply turned to them and said, you feed them. Remember, they came to Jesus and said, you want us to go to the store and buy a bunch of food? And he said, no, you feed them. Well, all we have is this. And, you know, Jesus didn't even respond to that. He just moved on it. And then he had the disciples distribute it to the people. All right. So again, Jesus was desiring to work through the hands and the lives of people in order to perform a miracle in other people's lives. Now go over with me to Acts chapter 6, please. Acts chapter 6, and let's look at verse 8. Now this is an example of what I was telling you where, yes, it's the Holy Spirit, doing the work, but I want you to notice how the Bible articulates this. In Acts chapter 6, we see that there was a, a young man named Stephen who was chosen. He was one of the, the men that were chosen to feed uh, the, the people, in other words, to serve and to wait on tables in the, in the daily feeding of the people that was going on there in Jerusalem. And it says this, uh, you can see there uh, the, the men that are listed. Verse 7, Then the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly. And uh, then verse 8, And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. Who did it say did the works, did the signs and wonders? Stephen did. Okay. Now, obviously, it was by the power of the Holy Spirit. But Stephen had a part in those signs and wonders being done. You know, something that just uh, came up in my heart is, is this. You know, two of the men that were chosen out of that group to wait on tables turned out to be dramatically and supernaturally used by God to perform great miracles. One was Stephen. The other was Philip, the evangelist. You know, Philip is found there in that list in chapter 5, but he wasn't Philip the evangelist at this point. Isn't it interesting that the men that, that God chose to work great miracles through started out serving tables? Yeah. They didn't start out with worldwide ministries working signs and wonders and miracles. You know, a lot of people sometimes they want to start out at the top and aren't willing to do what it takes to serve at the bottom so that God can promote them. And so these men served and did what they were asked to do. 
And uh, it says great signs and wonders were, were performed. Now go over with me to Acts the 8th chapter. Acts the 8th chapter. And let's see what happened with Philip. Philip is now called Philip the Evangelist. And it says in, in verse 5 of chapter 8, Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip. Notice this. Hearing and seeing the miracles which he did for unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out. Many who were possessed and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. In verse 8, and there was great joy in that city. Now notice again the way the, the scriptures, the Holy Spirit articulated it. Through Luke, he said that uh, Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. Okay, now what I want you to see is is that that in this, you know, obviously, again, it's the power of God. These men had, other than the Lord Jesus, these men had no power to do this on their own. But I like the fact that the Scripture articulates it and says that they did. The miracles. What that implies to me is this, that again, the Holy Spirit wants to work through people in order to perform this, and it's going to take faith and obedience for that to happen. Okay? So none of those things would have transpired if Philip and Stephen had not obeyed God. Okay? Now, number three, let's talk about the gifts of healings. This is a little bit different then the working of miracles, the gifts of healings, and let me give you this definition, are excuse me, supernatural manifestations for the healing of sickness and disease to deliver the sick and destroy the works of the devil in the human body. These are supernatural manifestations for the healing of sickness and disease to deliver the sick and destroy the works of the devil in the human body. Now, let me say this before we dive into this particular gift, and, and that is this. You do not have to have this gift in operation for you to be able to pray for somebody to be healed. Mark chapter 16 says that believers shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. The Bible says in, in James chapter 5 that we can call for the elders of the church and with the prayer of faith and anointing of oil, people can be healed. Now this is, uh, the gifts of healings is more dramatic in the sense of that it's, it's an instantaneous healing, but nevertheless, the end result is the same. You know, I, I don't ever want us to despise the wonderful flow of healing called recovery found in Mark chapter 16. Just because you pray for someone and it takes time for them to recover does not mean that it's any less of a healing than if, if the gifts of healings are in operation. It's just that one is instantaneous and the other takes some time. And uh, we shouldn't diminish one over the other, okay? Now look at Acts chapter 19, if you will, please. Acts, the 19th chapter. Acts, the 19th chapter. Now, this is very clear, and this probably uh, could upset some religious folks here. Acts, chapter 19, verse 11. Now, God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul. Now, how did God do it? Through the hands of Paul. Okay, so what that means is Paul must have laid his hands on people. And then verse 12, so that even, now get this, even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick and the diseases left them and the evil spirits went out of them. Now what happened? As, as Paul would function in this anointing by the Holy Spirit, the power of God would permeate those pieces of cloth, and people could take those pieces of cloth as a point of contact and bring them to the sick, and the sick would be healed, and people that were demon-possessed would be set free. Okay? Now, again, 
I want you to see that these were things that happened. The Bible calls them unusual miracles. Now, in Acts chapter 28, there were others, but Acts chapter 28, let's look at one. Acts chapter 28 and verse 8. Now, you remember when Paul was on his way to Rome and they experienced the storm and ended up on the island of Melita, which today is the island of Malta. There was a man that had a great estate on that island and uh, he was sick. And you remember, this is the same island where Paul was gathering sticks for the fire and the serpent bit him. And you remember all the islanders were standing around watching him, waiting to see, was he going to die from the snake bite? And he never did. He just shook the snake off and went on. And uh, so the Bible says in verse 8 of chapter 28, and it happened that the father of Publius, or Publius, however you want to say it, who was the man that owned the estate, lay sick of a fever and dysentery. Paul went into him and prayed and laid his hands on him and healed him. Notice who did the healing. Paul did. Now, of course, it was by and through the power of the Holy Spirit, but Paul had a part to play in it. Okay? So, countless miracles under Jesus' ministry. Jesus operated in the gifts of healings and the working of miracles all throughout his ministry, okay? Now, I want to point out something. This is very, very important. Jesus did not, N-O-T, capital N-O-T, Jesus did not perform any miracles or heal anybody as the Son of God. He did it as a man anointed by the Holy Spirit and did none of these things until the Holy Spirit came upon him when he was baptized by John and he was anointed. Now the scripture tells us in Philippians that Jesus set aside everything that made him divine, everything that made him the Son of God. Now, of course he is and was the Son of God while he was here, but he set all of that aside, everything that comes with that, and became as a servant, the Bible says, or became, took upon himself flesh. He set aside all of that and, and did not perform any of those things as the Son of God. Well, somebody says, well, yes, he did. I'm, I, I'll argue with you that he did not. Because let me ask you a question. Was Jesus just as much the Son of God when he was 10 as he was when he was 30? Yeah. Absolutely. Was he just as much the son of God when he was 20 as he was when he was 30? Yes, absolutely. Was he just as much the son of God when he was 25 as he was when he was 30? Yes, emphatically yes. But he did no miracles until he was 30 years old, was baptized by John, and the Holy Spirit came upon him, brought that anointing upon him, and then he went about uh, doing what he was called to do in preaching, teaching, and healing the sick. Okay? So there was nothing about him being the Son of God that enabled him to do that in the sense that he set all that aside. It was the Holy Spirit coming upon him and the anointing coming upon his life that enabled him to be able to do those things. Okay? Now... Go over with me to John, the 14th chapter, as we wrap up talking about the gifts of the Spirit. John, the 14th chapter and the 12th verse. Okay, John 14 and verse 12. I want us to look at a statement that Jesus said. He said this, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. So God desires to use you and me in, a, in, in the same way that he used Jesus. Now, one thing that we have going for us that even Jesus didn't in the sense of he could not lead anybody to be born again because he had not gone to the cross and died and been raised from the dead yet. 
One of the greater works that you and I can do is that we can lead somebody to be born again and experience uh, the new birth in receiving Christ as their Lord and Savior. And so prior to the resurrection of Christ, nobody had been born again. So that's one of the greater works. However, I believe that there are things that God wants to use us to do that, uh, you know, that we see in the ministry of Jesus and even beyond that. Now, here's one thing, and this is the wisdom of God, uh, clearly. You know, Jesus was one man anointed by the Holy Spirit and therefore was limited in the scope of what he could do and the impact that he could have in the sense of he could only minister to people wherever he was present. So he had to be physically present in order for people to be ministered to, for healings to take place, for people to be set free from uh, demon possession, all of the things that we see happen. However, in the church age, the wonderful thing about this dispensation is the fact that there are a whole bunch of little Jesuses running all around the earth, anointed by the Holy Spirit, and we can have such a great impact in this world because we can be all kinds of different places, not just one place at one time. And not only that, the Holy Spirit is here and he is everywhere. Okay? Yeah. So the, the, the odds are stacked in our favor, so to speak. Okay? Now, I want us to go on. Let's um, go to Ephesians chapter 5. And let's begin talking with the time we have left tonight about being led by the Spirit. Now, I love the way that the Holy Spirit has laid this out for us in this study in the sense of this is going to go hand in hand with the gifts of the Spirit. If you don't know how to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, you're going to have a hard time being used in the gifts and manifestations of the Spirit because you're going to have to know the direction and leading of the Holy Spirit. Okay, So Ephesians chapter 5, I'm going to read it out of the, uh, the New King James, and then I'm going to read it out of the Amplified Bible. It says this in the New King James, Ephesians 5, verse 15, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, verse 17, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Now, let me read these three verses to you out of the Amplified Bible. Look carefully, then, how you walk. Live purposefully and worthily, and I like this, and accurately, not as the unwise and witless, but as wise, sensible, intelligent people. I like the way that that's articulated. Live purposefully, worthily, and accurately. Now, verse 16, making the most of the time, buying up each opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be vague and thoughtless and foolish, but understanding and firmly grasping what the will of the Lord is. Now, what strikes me so profoundly about these three verses of Scripture is this, and we're going to look at some others in just a second, but... If it was not, well, let me, look, let me look at it in the positive first. What the Holy Spirit is telling us through these three verses is that it is possible for us to fully have knowledge and understand and walk in, I like what the Amplified, firmly grasp what the will of the Lord is for our lives. If it was not the will of God for that to happen, then the Holy Spirit was unjust in saying this. In other words, let me say this to you, okay? If there's any area, maybe in my life and in believers' lives that I have seen people struggle, is this, what is the will of God for my life? What is God's plan for my life? What is it that I'm supposed to do? What are the next steps for my life? All of those questions, 
And, and we're going to see from the scriptures that it is God's will for you to have those questions answered. You and I have the privilege and the honor to be able to walk and firmly grasp, like the Amplified Bible said, what the will of God is for our lives. Okay? Now, go over with me to the book of Colossians, please. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 9. I'm going to read it from the, the New King James. And I'm going to read it to you from the Message Bible. Now this is a prayer that Paul prayed for the believers at, in the church at Colossae. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 9. Now, I do not believe the Holy Spirit would have led Paul to write this, record this, much less pray this if it was not the will of God for this to happen. Okay? So verse 9 says this. Paul says, For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled. Not just a little bit. Filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. It is the will of God for us to be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. In other words, let me say it to you this way. A believer should never be in a position where we're having to guess what God's will is for our lives. We should know. Now, we may not know the full A to Z, okay? But you will know. You can know what your next step is. What is the will of God for tomorrow? Okay? Now, let me read it to you out of the Message Bible. Be assured that from the first day we heard of you, we haven't stopped praying for you, asking God to give you wise minds and spirits attuned to His will and so acquire a thorough understanding of the ways in which God works. Now, a big part of understanding what the will of God is for your life is you need to have some understanding of how God works. How does God do things? How does He function? What are, what are His ways of thinking along a certain line? What, what is it that God de desires to see happen? You know, the Scripture says in Malachi chapter 6 that, that uh, or Malachi, yeah, Malachi chapter 6, that God does not change. So God doesn't think one way last week, and now he's thinking a different way this week. The scripture says in Hebrews 13, 8, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So I believe that as we walk with the Lord and we grasp a deeper understanding of the Holy Spirit and God's word, that it is possible for us to know how God functions and how God thinks. Uh, you know, I'm reminded of Isaiah 55. I tell you what, let's turn over there for just a moment. Isaiah, the 55th chapter. Let's start in verse 6. Isaiah 55 and verse 6. This isn't in my notes, but it's hot off the press. All right. Isaiah 55 and verse 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Because chances are you're only going to be able to find him about 50% of the time. And you're only going to be able to figure out what he's doing about 10% of the time. Okay? That's the way people have read these scriptures. The only reason God would tell you to seek him is if he intends for you to find him. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him 
while he is while he is near verse 7 let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts notice let the unrighteous man forsake his thoughts let him return to the lord and god he will have mercy on him and to our god for he will abundantly pardon now let's look at verse 8 for my thoughts are not your thoughts nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Well, and so we've just stopped right there, and we've said, well, hallelujah. You know, God's ways are higher than our ways. You know, you know you've heard, heard this phrase, you know, God works in mysterious ways and his wonders to perform, you know, meaning that you never know what God's going to do, you never know how God's going to act. You never know what he's thinking. Okay, And so people stop right there at verse 9. But if you'd go on reading, look at what he says in verse 10. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, and makes it bring forth and bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Now, what is he saying? Yes, my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. In other words, I do stuff on a different level than you do stuff. I think on a different level than you think, but... As the rain falls and as the snow comes, I have sent my word to you so that you can begin to understand how I think and how I function so that you can follow my example. Yeah. All right? Now, go over with me to 1 Corinthians, the second chapter, please. Again, hot off the press. Y'all don't mind if the Holy Ghost interjects some stuff, do you? Not at all. Well, if even if you did, I'm going to say it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Now, notice this. Um, well, you know, let's back up to verse 9. Let's start, start at verse 9, rather. I had a minister quote this to me one time. You know, I, I had uh, I had started Bible school, and um, you know, th this this minister said this to me, quoted quoted word for word, verse nine: "I has not seen, nor nor has ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love Him," and stopped right there, and was again implying to me the thing that I just said in that, well, you never know what God's going to do. You never know what he might do in a certain situation because after all, eye has not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. Now, verse 10 begins with, now, I, I wasn't a big English major, but somebody help me. Is that a conjunction there at the beginning of verse 10? Okay. Gail shaking her head yes so but now it's it's not the same as and what but means at the beginning of a sentence is I'm getting ready to negate everything I just said mm -hmm. okay so in other words I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him but God has revealed them unto us through his spirit for the spirit searches all things yes the deep things of god for what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him even so no one knows the things of god except the spirit of god now what what paul is telling us there is there's nobody who knows you better than your spirit does 
The same way the Holy Spirit, there's nobody that knows God any better than the Holy Spirit does. All right. Now, verse 12. Now, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. Why? Why did God put his spirit on the inside of us? So that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. In other words, I'm undoing what was written over there in verse 9. Now it is you are able to have enter into your heart the things that God has prepared for you. Paul goes on to say, These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. Now I'll say this to you. I believe one of the reasons we have not tapped into more of the knowledge and wisdom and direction and insight that the Holy Spirit desires to bring into our lives is because we function in the natural too much. Amen. Okay. All right. Now, why, why doesn't the natural man, why isn't somebody that's natural able to receive these things? For they are foolishness unto him, nor can he know them because they're spiritually discern. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. Now here's where I wanted to get to, verse 16. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. In other words, it has been put down on the inside of us by the Holy Spirit the way that God thinks the way that God functions, the way that God operates. In other words, <laughs> we have all of the resources of heaven to know and understand God already down on the inside of us. It's just a matter of do we want to facilitate and allow him to teach us those things and bring those things to us. Okay? Now, Wow, look at the time. Praise God. All right. Now, let me say this and then we'll quit. We'll get we'll get into this more next week. And by the way, these things are not anything new. I've covered these things before, but hey, as you can see, the Holy Spirit is adding to it and uh, bringing a, additional light. So right, make a note of this. The will of God in our lives can be divided into two categories. The will of God for us in our lives individually can be divided into two categories. The first one is this. The general will of God made known to us by His Word. The general will of God made known to us by His Word. Now, I'm going to expand on these a little bit more next week, but I just want to give these to you. The second, second um, category is this, the specific will of God for our lives. Now, there, there are things that the Bible tells us that you don't have to pray about, you don't have to seek God about, you don't have to ask about. If you can read, you can figure it out. Okay, there's just general things. But there are some specific things in our lives that the Word of God does not specifically spell out for us. That is where we need to learn how to clearly follow the leading and direction of the Holy Spirit. Now again, the Spirit of God will lead you where the written Word of God is concerned. But, you know, the things that for our lives that the Word of God does not specifically spell out, like, you know, where am I supposed to work? Where am I supposed to live? All those types of things. The Holy Spirit desires to reveal those things to you and lead and guide and direct you. In other words, God doesn't want us just living only by the generalities of His Word, but He wants us living by them and specific direction 
for our lives. And again, you know, I don't believe that the scriptures would say what they say that we read in Ephesians and Colossians about us knowing the will of God if it was not the will of God for us to clearly know and understand what his will is for our lives. And so tying this into what we're talking about as far as the Holy Spirit is concerned, that is a desire and an assignment for, that the Holy Spirit desires to bring to pass in our lives. And that is revealing the plan of God, the will of God for our lives. Amen. Thanks once again for tuning in to the Spring Hill Church podcast. We hope that you have been blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about the church, please feel free to visit us at springhill.cc.